I'm Anushka Dukas and I've been designing jewellery for 30 years and collecting charms for as long as I can remember. In this new podcast, I'll be asking a series of extraordinary women to tell me their life story in seven charms. This week's guest is not on the high street founder, Holly Tucker, MBE. I needed to basically heal and I decided to heal creatively and that for me was pulling together all these amazing small businesses under one roof and that really was the start of it all. I now look back and say that actually my work has never been work but it was just I'd found a passion in discovering small businesses. For me there are so few things that can stand the test of time and evoke a memory like a tiny detailed charm. A very special 18-karat gold biography. My guest this week is joining me online because of lockdown, which is so sad because she's one of the most charismatic people I know. So where to begin? She's a trailblazer, an entrepreneur and a cheerleader for hundreds of small businesses. Like many people, her path to her passion had some major obstacles, which she's overcome with determination and grace. Ahead of her time and the opportunity she spotted, she had the guts to persevere in the face of the mostly men who said no and went on to change the face of retail as we knew it. Warm, funny and honest, I'm delighted to welcome Holly to my life in Seven Charms. So, Holly, I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you. A pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking me. I was trying to work out when we first met. I think, I think it was about... Eight or ten years ago? Yes, it's a a little while ago now. It was a little while ago, but I remember when I did first meet you and just how incredibly friendly and just, I was totally struck by that. And I think um, that's why so many people must be so struck by your warmth and kind of total total infectious enthusiasm. What a nice welcome, my goodness. (laughs) Thank you. But I'm really interested to know what your life in Seven Charms is going to look like. I'm actually going to start with your first charm, which is a paint palette. Now, I was really excited by a paint palette because as a jeweller, it's just delicious to have all those lovely stones. Um, I'd like it really to be kind of white gold. And then the blobs of colour, I think they should be kind of gorgeous cabochon amethyst, emerald and a ruby and maybe a blue sapphire and then I think on the same bale so that the so that the paintbrush hangs separately mm. you know the paintbrush should be kind of really fine uh wood probably made of ebony the, the actual handle and then yellow gold brush where you can see the kind of texture of the oh, brushes gosh. yes please moving on from how <laughs> how I kind of visualize it I'd really love you to tell me why you've chosen a paint palette and what and what that means to you. It's all to do with creativity. I suppose that when I look at my life, um, one of my earliest memories was creating a I lived in Holland. I, I moved to Holland when I was seven years old. My father got a job at General Electric in Holland. And so at seven years old, we moved to uh, play, uh, Antwerp and then I moved on to Amsterdam. And in this time, I went to international schools. And at that point, I was very, very creative. And it's, it's, it's made me really think when you asked me to put my life in seven charms, 
what has been that running golden thread in my life? And and I suppose that creativity, the love of colour, the love of people doing things differently, um, has always been this sort of fuel. Um, and, and certainly recently, I've realised as I run quite quickly in business, that m- the way that I relax mostly is by visiting the V&A, the next exhibition, sitting there, absorbing, and actually sort of going back to sort of my energy roots, so to speak. And were your parents, because you said that your father, was he artistic as well as running, you know? No, no, not at all. I don't think either of them were artistic, so to speak. But just recently, actually, even just today, I I realised that my mother has a way of doing, she'll have memories of people. And she has this brilliant way of converting memories into actually gifts, but very creatively. And I've, I've lived with that always. So if it was oh. someone's 50th, but I know, I, oh. yes, these things. Are the, but actually, my mother's mother was a beautiful um, model. She was a, a design theatre sets. Um, she lived in the 1930s, 40s. She used to wear phenomenal um, men's shirts tied with my grandfather's jeans on. This was not the done thing and she actually used to create unusual Christmas trees um, and actually used to build them and so I think that that has come through I always do you remember that do do you remember it or is that something that was described to you it was described and it was always the photographs you know when those key photographs that you have she died when I was four but you know when you know that someone's in your life always I've always spoken about her and my grandfather always says that I am very like her and so I feel like her spirit is very strong in everything I've done in my life. Well that brings us neatly onto your onto your second charm um, which is um, absolutely fascinating this second charm. So this second charm is a vegetable wreath unusual seen lots of wreaths but not often a vegetable wreath um and actually as I was kind of imagining how I was going to create this vegetable wreath but I guess I see it you know I because I, I, I like to make things which are absolutely as perfect as they can be I mean I've got carrots and I've got a little aubergine because I love the color and clearly yes. you love color I do I thought maybe an avocado <laughs> cut it off Cut in half. I know it won't look so great when it's, you know, got a bit old, but I like the idea of an avocado. Also, because green's such a vibrant, mm. lovely colour. Um, and the back of the wreath, I think, should be lovely yellow gold um, and all the textures of the vegetables carved into it. But more importantly, is why on earth have you chosen a vegetable <laughs> wreath? <laughs> well, I, it's a very important thing to me, actually. Um, it's 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 the beginning of Not on the High Street, and I wish it was a slightly sexier story than beginning with a vegetable wreath, but that is the beginning. That's the true beginning. I basically, when I was a lot younger, I ended up getting married to my childhood sweetheart, and... Um, that sort of started, unfortunately, not a great period of my life. I, I it, it, My marriage didn't work out. And at the same time, got diagnosed with a brain tumour. I needed to be sort of, you know, I needed to basically heal. And that for me was pulling together um, 
bizarrely, <laughs> wreaths. You know, it wasn't a morbid thing. These were all very colourful wreaths. This was using chilies and tangerines with pink um, string. And it was using, as, you, as, as my beautiful charm shows you, uh, vegetables. So I would go down to the local greengrocers. He would ask me what I was doing because I was putting colours together. And I said, well, I'm making a wreath. And he would be like, OK, I'll just let her do this. So each week I would come down and I would make these wreaths with vegetables and give it out to friends and family. And um, that was the sort of process, the start of my journey, because because of that wreath, um, I decided actually I'll do some Christmas wreaths um, and I'll go and sell them at the local Christmas fair. Um, and I realised that there was no such thing as the local Christmas fair. I lived in Chiswick. I would have thought that there should have been one. So be me being me I actually said well what I'll do is I'll create the fair and then I'll get the best trestle table in my fair to sell my wreaths and then I'll become a gazillionaire selling wreaths <laughs> and because it's me I didn't have a few stallholders I had a hundred and I'd hired the town hall and I've picked all the stallholders all these amazing small businesses under one roof um, and it was and I had put advertising in magazines I'd got a father Christmas walking up and down the uh, streets handing out leaflets and this thing became the first Chiswick Christmas Fair it was highly successful I sold out of all my wreaths oh. delivered all the wreaths and then I thought I would never want to see another wreath in my life um, <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to put on fairs and that is really you know I did that for two and a half years I put fairs on all over London and that really was the start of it all because I had handpicked every small business. And how did you find them? Because actually, at the time, how did you find them? There wasn't. Well, a, there was no internet. Well, there was, but no. not. No, I just, I would get all the magazines every single weekend. I would trawl through, rip them out. I would go up and down high streets. I would actually knock on doors of independent high street um, shops and I would I would tell them about my fair. And actually, I would then curate this group. So I had that many baby children, you know, stalls, that many jewellery stalls. I had local stalls come. Mm. Um, and it was... it. Fairs hadn't really been run like that before. But it also, it's extraordinary. For, I mean, in terms of energy, because, I mean, mm. you clearly had have always had this extraordinary energy. But to go around and actually find stall holders was just a... I mean, now we just go online and work out, you yeah. know... But that this is- was back in 2002. Um, so it was a very long time ago. And I suppose always through my life, I now look back and say that actually my work has never been work, but it was just I'd found a passion in discovering small businesses. Now, you rather casually just said, oh, yes, and I had got married and then I had a brain tumour. Can we just just talk a little bit about that? Because, Mm. I mean, that is utterly extraordinary. I mean, how just just tell us a little bit. So you married your childhood sweetheart, Mm. which clearly didn't work out mm-hmm. no, quite, it didn't. quite soon after or yeah you know it's the thing I would say to my son now and there was no telling me um you know I was in a hurry I started my first job at 17 so and the day I got my A-level results I got my job um, in advertising and so I was quite an old soul so by the age of 21 do you know what I mean like I'm I'm you know, an account manager in advertising. Yeah. My yeah. Um, my ex-husband worked in advertising as well. He was the same sort of path as me. We'd been together a very long time. 
And now if I reflected and I could talk to Harry if he was going to make those same decisions you know the person you are Harry Harry is my son son, my son sorry if at 22 years old or 21 years old you know you're still a baby you know you really really have not yet found out who you were and so it didn't work out which was in highly painful Um, and it had me crushing very much to the floor and I found out I had a brain tumour. Luckily, the brain tumour ended up not being something that needs to be operated on. I'm okay. Um, But at the time, it was a very scary period. You know, everything seemed to be falling apart. And potentially when you're really in a hurry, maybe that's also the reflection I have. You know, I had been driving so fast to what I wanted, um, not taking no for an answer, which is fine in certain entrepreneurial spirited way. Um, but in life, sometimes you need to listen to the universe more and potentially it was telling me something. Or oh, yeah, slow down, slow yeah. down, yeah. take it. But what, I mean, just tell me a little bit about how did that feel? When I, I can't really remember much about that period um, anymore because it was so much pain in yeah. so many ways. It's like but childbirth, you forget Slightly I do. What I do remember is, um, you know, the day that my dad picked me up um, when it was over and he took me back to the parental home. And, um, you know, I knew at that point I wasn't, it wasn't, you know, my life was never going to be the same again. And I think that at a very young age, um, to be broken, that broken, um, gave me a good, you know, sense of, um, you know, it it built strength. Well, it hasn't stopped you. Whatever. No. Goodness, it hasn't stopped you. You know what? It's it's those things, isn't it? When you go through such hard times, um, what you come out is stronger, wiser. You know, we can, I know you can relate to that in business in your life. You know, um, it's something I'd never wish on anybody, but in a way it has made me who I am. Your next charm is this lovely not on the high street tag. Um, and I, I, the way I see that is exactly as the logo of not on the high street, which as we all know, is a, um, a kind of a shape of an old fashioned label. And so I see this in lovely 18 karat yellow gold with not on the high street um, engraved into it on one side, like the address label, but on the other side, because the colours were yes. blue. There's this kind of royal blue. Um, and I would like to do that in micropave. So tiny, tiny little stones of different coloured sapphires. Ooh. So that's how I see it. And I think it'll be absolutely divine. So do I. <laughs> now, tell us, tell us about Not on the High Street and this charm. Well, this was a very important charm to me. Um, I refer to Not on the High Street as my second child. Um, Not on the High Street was born from understanding the energy that I had created in that room. And I then decided to um, take it one step further because I'd organised all these fairs, um, you know, when it rained, when it poured, (laughs) when Johnny had a football match, you name it, people wouldn't turn up. You'd got all these souls into a town hall for whatever reason, it didn't work, but it wasn't because of their products. What we needed is a new town hall roof. And at the time, this is 2005, you know, the internet was there. Um, and you had things like 
you know, Amazon and eBay. Do you remember when Amazon sold books? Only books. Only books. And when you went onto eBay, it was someone's um, socks that they didn't want at Christmas and they were called one, two, three, four socks and you could bid for them for 50p. Do you know what I mean? So it was a really long time ago. At this point in time, actually, I had um, already um, been lucky enough to find um, uh, a gentleman called Frank, who I started dating and we fell in love and I was pregnant with Harry. And I thought, you know what, this uh, I, I don't want to do fairs ever again. I need to earn money, but I ha- cannot let go of the electricity I'd created bringing all these small businesses together. What I need to do is put it on the Internet but I don't want to do it alone. I've now realised I couldn't do it alone. And so I contacted my ex-boss from Publicis, a lady called Sophie um, Vincenzi at the time, and um, said to her, listen, I've got this crazy idea. I'd like to bring everything that's, and this was just written in an email, not on the high street. So everything that's not on the high street onto the internet and I wrote this email and I said listen it's crazy but would you like to join me on 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 this 24 hours later Sophie had written back and said you know what I've set up my own small business but yes I would and um that was in 2005 and we knew nothing about retail as in we were great consumers of retail we weren't in tech but what we did have was the eye of the consumer We understood that small businesses were being pushed off the high street. And actually what we wanted as discerning consumers was to be able to go and find those brilliant products that we all love when we go to the little lanes in Brighton or, you know, and actually source them, pull them all together. And we launched April 2006. Um, We now know that this was the third marketplace in the world. We we were creating technology that even eBay didn't have. We, We... if we had known any of this, Anishka, we would never have even started because naivety <laughs> is the most beautiful thing. You know, people say naivety is terrible. I think it's absolutely great. Yeah. Well, it makes, yeah, it makes everything possible. Everything. Because it? it's like, well, what do you mean you can't yeah. do it? Well, of course you can do it. We just got to find a different way absolutely. to do it. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, we no, launched you're... April 2006. So how did you fund it? Well, we managed to get a very small loan. And actually, at the time, my um, Sophie's husband and parents put in a little bit. My parents put in a little bit. And Frank um, had just left the, well, was still in the police at the time. And he had a court case. He had lost his hearing due to whatever reason. Um, And he gave me his settlement, uh, which was £14,000. And um, we pulled together, I think it was about, it was just under £70,000 between the two of us. And we thought that that was not only contingency, but a double contingency. We thought we were being the smartest people ever. Uh, Funny enough. That wasn't enough money. <laughs> so that wasn't enough money to get to launch either, presumably, because the cost of the oh, tech Oh, no, no, we could been... launch. Yeah, it was amazing. We, we managed to pull friends. You know what we do. You know, you pull friends and friends. Yeah. And this is like a village built not on the high street at the beginning. Where we ran out of money is when the proof of concept happened, that first Christmas in 2006, where the sales started to come through and we realised that our technology wasn't uh, strong enough. We needed more people and so that is when we started having to fundraise, um, which was a whole other story. You know, two women, blonde hair. No, no, let's talk about that. Yeah. Because I think All that's right. really interesting. Yeah. I want to talk about that because, yeah, two women. I mean, it's difficult to do now. But what about then? 
Well, so how did you yeah. go about it? It was an absolutely ridiculous experience. Now I look back at it. Um, <laughs> at the time, I would say 0.5% of all VC funding was going to women. Okay, so not even, you know, and then we were selling very female products. Yeah. So, you know, we would have people say, well, this is all very nice. But um, do you really think crafts should come out of the town hall? Or my wife does all of the shopping. And so I, I wouldn't know what this shopping malarkey is like. Oh. They couldn't see it and we were like actually we're about to change the face of retailing I can always remember it was the Christmas and we were funding not on the high street through our credit card checkbooks at the time I was maybe going to lose my home I had a very very young child and we'd risked it all and we were lucky enough that we managed thanks to a friend who was in a church in the south of France who happened to sit on a pew next to someone she knew. That friend knew of a gentleman called Tom Teichman. Tom Teichman ran Spark Ventures, which were the first people to write the first check for lastminute.com. And it was at that moment um, that he said, you've got the spark, we're going to invest in you. So that's amazing. So in terms of, so it, but it grew very fast. I mean, actually, this is complete ignorance on my part, but at the beginning, was it all women run businesses or was it not that? Am I no. imagining that? It never was. But what we ended up doing, which I love, is probably doing more for women wanting to go back to work than any government scheme. Um, and so actually, funny enough, over the years, we heard more and more men quitting their jobs in the city to join the wives um, than the other way around. Because it was around. such a success. Yes, but we are 95% female partners. And that, oh, is, just, okay. that is just the way it's been. Yeah, It's, it's just yeah. the way it is. What was the hardest thing about growing it? Because, you know, my goodness, everybody knew about it quite quickly, I think. No, well, that's what people think. No one knew yeah. about it forever. I mean, my no, goodness. Not in your ever. Not in your yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the day one, day one, I didn't understand why we weren't getting flooded with sales. You know, <laughs> I think that we did a good job in um, PR. You know, you've got to remember that we were one of the only two women in business who'd raised VC funding in a tech business out there. You know, we had amazing small businesses on the site and they knew that we were curated. And, you know, that was the thing, Anushka. We turned away 95% of everyone that applied to our business. Now, when you're eating baked beans and paying people with your credit card checkbooks, you actually... Uh, definitely want to be taking on more people. But we knew our brand had to be about quality. It had to be about really curating the best of the best. Um, And the most difficult thing about growing that business was that we had to create everything from scratch. And that was the most difficult thing. We were breaking glass ceilings. So you created this incredible success. Yes. But just, just tell me about, you know, then what happened. Well, we grew not in the high street. Um, It was phenomenal. Uh, Collectively, it's pumped one billion pounds into our small business community. So over that period of time, our small businesses, that's 5,000 small businesses that we have, have received over that period of time a billion pounds. Now, when I think back to Sophie and me persuading people that this was going to change the face of um, retail, you know, we did it. You know, we did it. And I'm so... Happy that we created it, but what I'm so happy about is the small businesses that never let us down, that were so creative, and they in turn have gone on to have phenomenal lives too. You know, uh, it's, it's just a beautiful story. So, 
So your next charm is rather just lovely, the whole concept of its angel wings. So I had seen these on a bale. I'd seen it with a little heart in the middle and the, and the mm. wings surrounding the heart. And for me, those wings have got to move. Oh, wow. And I mean, it's got to be in white gold. It's got to be uh, all fully diamonds. And you'll see the uh, formation of the feathers uh, just in the gold. Mm. Um, it's very hard to describe this for those people that can't see, but we will put it, uh, we'll put photographs of it. Oh up. my goodness. Sounds beautiful. I mean, this is such a lovely uh, concept. Now, why have you chosen the angel wings? Well, at the time um, that I was having my sort of uh, lowest point when I was younger that I described. Um, so this is after your divorce, having been told you got a brain tumor. Yes, and yeah. and 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 trying to pick myself literally off the ground. Um, I met with a um, friend of mine who um, met up with her ex boyfriend. That friend actually used to I used to work with. I knew her ex boyfriend. They'd actually come to my wedding, um, so I'd known him since I was eighteen years old. And uh, this was a gentleman called Frank. And from that evening. We got on. We'd always been friends. Um, nothing in it, um, but we started to see each other more. Um, he was obviously single. I was now divorced, and this friendship grew into love. And um, he literally—I used to call him my angel from above because I feel like he saved me. And when we came along, it literally felt like he was mending me and putting me back together. Yeah, I owe a lot. It, the confidence thing it is, how did he manage to do that? How did he give you back something that you really felt that you'd lost? Um, I think he just truly adored me. You know, remember, he'd known me since I was uh, 17 years old. So it was this sort of understanding of really who I was when maybe I didn't even know who I was at that point in time. Yeah. And um, he, he sort of reminded me of that. You know, I would go to do something and then he'd push me to go and do it. He pushed me to go and start your local fair. He helped me make the bloody wreaths. You know what I mean? Like after his long day doing whatever he was doing at Scotland Yard, he was then pulling together my wreaths. You know, yeah. he he loved me and um and I think that that is you know that is what has given gave me the confidence because at that time I was rock bottom I I, I as I said I didn't really know who I was uh, am I right in thinking um that whilst you have done you built not on the high street and now Holly and Co he has been really the the carer for for Harry and, yeah. and perhaps the house and yeah. looking after things at home yeah. how's that well, you know, it didn't pan out so well at the beginning, as you might realise, you know, suddenly our DNA, you know, the, the caveman and cavewoman aspects of our, you know, do remember our brains haven't really matured, have they, since those times? And so we all think that everything has. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing feat, though, to do that, because I do think, you know, for men to be, you know, doing the shopping and putting the bins out and all of those things that you know that's hard yeah. that's, well, that's but you know hard. women I mean, have done it huge... women have done it forever and you know but there is this thing about fighting against potentially what you think you should be doing as a man if you're the yeah. only man in the playground it is a real uh, adjustment whereas actually that was a long time ago we're now a decade on and i yes. think many many more men are holding that position in the household yeah. how have you managed to balance, I'm sure everyone wants to know how, and have you managed to balance being a mummy, dealing with all of this? I, I mean, you know, I know how difficult it is, but 
How have you dealt with the kind of, you know, guilt? Guilt mm. not not at work, guilt not looking after Harry, guilt not looking after Frank. Yeah. How have you dealt with that? Well, so but what I did very early on, and Sophie taught me this, was it's about quality of time and not quantity. It's about in those younger years being there for bedtime and maybe working once they've gone to sleep. Once I heard that and then I worked out that it was working and my son has been a wonderful being always, that actually I realized that the guilt was a completely wasted energy and actually I was shattered by it. So I started banishing the guilt and certainly because the amount of interest he was showing in what I was doing. You know, he wanted to start a business and have a chair next to my table since the age of four. This has always been that we were going to work together, that we, you know, Frank was brilliant at playing but I was great at getting things done or building his first business with him, Sugar Boy, at the age of 11. And so, you know, this has been our way of communicating. And actually, do you know what I mean? I was lucky because everything was working out. But, you know, I did miss his first footsteps. I did miss his first words. But he was okay with that as long as I communicated it with him. And when I talked to other women and mothers who are all going into starting their own businesses, the main thing I say to them is bring your children along with the ride with you. Make them understand it and do not have guilt. You know, you are doing a brilliant job in educating your children about entrepreneurism. And it has been an amazing thing because actually we've now after a long period of time are very settled in the way that we are harry has had a dad at home since he was five has always done the school run has always been there um has been a phenomenal male influence and i have been the working woman um the strong mum but it works out you know if you both have the intention you've got to learn to compromise and understand each other's feelings and, and- Am I right in thinking that you oh, you got married in COVID yes. when you were allowed? Am I right in thinking You know that? that little break we had between lockdowns? We managed to, he asked me on my birthday in March this year, and then we decided, well, we'd waited so long that let's do it quickly. And then that little gap that we had, we got married and um, it was the, it surprised us because we'd both been married before. Um but it was the best day. Was, after Harry being born, it was the best day of our lives. And what about Harry? Harry must have... Well, tell me how Harry felt about it. Harry's wanted us to get married since he was four. And oh. so um, this meant a huge deal. So actually, you know, the moment that um, we we walked up the little aisle um, and Harry was there as the best man and he did the speeches, oh. Oh. the most eloquent speech, honestly. And he, he learned guitar so that he could play our first dance. Um, Which was what? Uh, Cindy Lauper. Um, uh, um, oh my gosh. Uh, time after it? time, time oh. after time. And oh it was just the most beautiful moment. And he, he played it on the guitar. We danced and then he came and gave us a hug. And it was this moment of unity that our little family um, finally did this. And it was the most beautiful thing. Um, and oh. as I said, it was the one of the best days of my life. It was just oh, I could tremendous. See it. Make it- yeah. Oh, God. It's giving me goosebumps, actually. <laughs> Your next charm is a diamond. Yes. So, so I'm not, so this is a diff- difficult one because I'm not just going to draw a <laughs> socking great diamond. 
<laughs> and God forbid you should choose a socking grey diamond as your charm. <laughs> so, wow. I've, so I've actually chosen to um, make a frame of the facets of a diamond. Lovely. So, um, so that I don't get caught out. <laughs> so it's it's the facets of a diamond um, in white gold and absolutely it, diamonds, it, small pave diamonds all around the frame. Um, but it does mean we can make it a bit bigger than it would be if it was a real, real diamond, single Ooh, solitaire delicious, diamond. Delicious, delicious. <laughs> um, but um, why a diamond? I mean, I, I'm diamonds all the way, but yeah. you know, why? <laughs> and me, and me. Yeah. Um, a diamond because I think that, you know, moving on from not in the high street um, to building my second business or my third child, Holly and Co. I, so hold on, are you still involved in not on the high street? Yes, absolutely. I'm its largest cheerleader and help management and all those sorts of things, but I'm out of the day to day. And um, building Holly and Co was because of my experience as being the CEO and the chair lady and, you know, the founder of not on the high street. I got to see a um, bird's eye view of these small businesses that I don't think any other human has had. I feel even though I don't have a degree, I think I have a PhD in <laughs> small businesses. So I thought again, if I know this, I don't I have an obligation, a bit like the fair, a little bit like not in high street. I have an obligation to do something with that knowledge and that knowledge was to build a landscape in the UK and I hope in the world over time, which is a very colorful environment for small businesses to be born in and to thrive in. Because I think that government websites talking about tax is not what a small business wants. A small business wants a cheerleader for small businesses, someone who's vulnerable, creating great things like podcasts and events and social media and, and competitions and awards, bringing colour to their world. And one of the things I've realised is my job in life, why I think I've been put on this planet and what I'll be doing until I'm 90, that's the age of my retirement, will be <laughs> that um, I am going to try and find people's diamonds. I believe that everyone has a diamond and I think it's our job to find it in our children, but also to find it in ourselves, to find that diamond that is uniquely you, the reason why you tick, and potentially, and I hope, to find a way of building a business around that diamond. How, Holly, how are you going to find the people's diamond? How do you find it in each person? Well, I believe that a diamond is basically full of passion. So it's about finding all of the things in your life that make you you, that make you tick and alive and smile and feel all your cells start vibrating. And for me, that's what I realised was helping people be the best versions of themselves where they're so gloriously happy. That's my diamond. You know, that was that was it. And that's what I spend my time doing. Uh, and that's doing. what Holly & Co is about. And that's what Holly & Co is about, creating a new landscape. I'm going to take the bullshit out of business. I'm going to make business less scary. Stop having men create a sort of black art about it and actually get people engaged with who they are and not building businesses to sell, building businesses because it's the true form of being rich, isn't it? Being truly happy. And I want to try and help help people find that way. On to your sixth charm, hummingbird. Yes. I, I kind of think it's got to be in a golden cage, mm. hasn't it, with the door open. Beautiful. Um, but I see it as a um, tiny miniature 
with the with a hinge door so that the door can open and the hummingbird which i see in kind of they're all different colors really but in my mind it's blue sapphires um with his wings out and because he's so tiny i don't think i'm going to be able to get that kind of um flutter what, in, in jewelry you call it en tremblant which is when 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 you get something to actually move oh, but wow. but i think he would be so beautiful if he can because Part of what I see about the hummingbird is, you know, always on the move, always flapping his wings and and moving and keeping going, keeping going. That's how I imagine it. But um, yes, tell me why. Well, basically, I got to a point at Nottingham High Street where I think that lots of entrepreneurs understand this feeling. I had grown it to the point that I felt that I could grow it. Um, But I sort of was losing myself in it. And so at that point, there was a moment in time that I realised, is this my entire future? Is there another chapter for Holly Tucker? You know, I I decided that there was. It was a very, very difficult um, transition. It did take me a while to be able to um, know who I was again, because, you know, when you give everything to a business, Mm. it's very difficult to understand who you are outside of that company. Yes. And so I I moved, uh, we got a CEO in for the day to day of the business. And that was after my sort of very difficult first year of that transition, I have to say, And Carrie, my sister, and my dear friend Gabby, who's also the co-founder of Holly & Co, as much as Carrie is, they picked me up off the ground, a little bit like Frank did at that time, and they helped remind me who I was. And that is that hummingbird, that hummingbird with all of that colour, who needs to fly out of the cage and find her flock again, who was waiting to open, with open arms, they were waiting for me, and I flew up into them, And they greeted me um, with such love and kindness. And I have built Holly & Co because of that community. Um, And little by little, and it's been about five years now, and little by little, I've grown again. And I think I'm at my most colourful self again, um, which has been amazing. Well, that's a very good explanation of um, of why the hummingbird. Yes, I think. It, I mean, I do. I think it describes you absolutely to perfection. Actually, I really do. Well, thank you. My goodness. Um, now, your last charm. Um, <laughs> it's a megaphone. What would Frank say about that? <laughs> he said, "That's right. It is a megaphone. That's the megaphone she talks to me with all day long." Yes. <laughs> um, so I, I, I mean, the megaphone is just such a divine little. It would be so adorable in miniature. Yes, I love yellow gold, so I think it should be highly polished yellow gold. Obviously, with a little hole at the narrow end. And I thought it'd be nice to have um, in in rubies um, the SME because mm. I'm suspecting the reason you chose a megaphone is all about small, medium enterprise. Um, yes. What what Holly and Co is all about? Yes. Yes. Is that, am I right? You're so right. You've got it. It's spot on. Absolutely um, spot on. It's it's a. As I said, I think that my my world from now on. Um, Forty three years old now. Um, you know, on my fortieth birthday, I worked out that I had um, twenty nine thousand days on this planet, and I had fourteen thousand <laughs> days left on my fortieth. And oh for me, God. this megaphone represents. Um, 
calling for action. You know, it's about cheerleading this group of people. It's about taking responsibility for some of the things that we need to see. So, you know, I want to help women start businesses. I want to educate children about entrepreneurship. And I want to help educate customers about voting with their money for the type of world that they want to live in. And I want to also help everyone who's ever thought about dreaming about starting a business go for it. Because, you know, this is the thing. This is the future. I believe that the future is going to be small business. I think as we get faster with all our tech everywhere and AI and everything's done for us, I think we need, until we've got chips in our heads, I think we're going to need to want to be connected. And I think we want to know where we're buying from. I think we're seeing the rise of the conscious consumer now. And I think that right now, someone needs to be saying some of the things that we're not talking about. And that is what that megaphone is. I don't want to be a celebrity or be known. I want to um, take responsibility for the days that I have left on this planet and for doing positive work, for being in service. And that's my megaphone as I do that job. Well, judging by your um, Instagram, you're doing an absolutely <laughs> unbelievable job. Um, well, and clearly you. everyone that follows you <laughs> thinks that. But but we've talked so much about, about all the incredible energy and businesses that you've run and helped and and started in all of this is where's the downtime please tell me there's some downtime (laughs) please tell me there's downtime and what is it (laughs) well there is downtime but I really believe um I have found my happiest place if you ask my parents, my husband now, about where Holly is happiest. I'm happiest helping people. I'm happiest being creative. I'm happiest um, breaking glass ceilings. And that happens to be the world I've created to work in. So I don't have this big work-life divide. I just have one very happy life. But I've, I've crafted that. So my downtime will be going through independent high streets, um, replying to wonderful comments on my Instagram. Really? That's your downtime? No, well, I I, I love it because I, I love this community and they really want to help me. So they'll tell me about an art gallery I need to go to or they'll invite me to something or they'll tell me a book to read. You know, it's a beautiful community. And so... It's it's just a joy. And so as much as there's downtime having a glass of wine with family and friends or going to an art gallery or taking my new little puppy for a walk or all these sorts of things, there's always an element of my what some would call classically work yeah. in my life. And it makes me very happy. You once said, it was a while ago, so I want to know whether you think this is still relevant, but you said, one day I'm going to buy a holiday home in Ibiza and I'm going to drink wine and ditch the business suits and I'm going to go totally boho. Question, is that still an ambition? (laughs) My goodness. Well, doesn't that sound nice? Um, Yes. Maybe there was a period of time in my life where I needed to escape. I had the work life. 
Now, actually, um, I think that the caftans I wear anyway, because now I'm not in the suit and I'm not in the heels. I wear caftans as my working wear. So actually, I sometimes look like I've lost Ibiza uh, in in my normal (laughs) meeting. So actually, no, that's not my ambition anymore. I think the day has come where I I haven't got such a separated life. And the other thing you said, Uh I think we when we met, we were on a panel together. And you said somebody said, uh, Holly, you know, what is it that drives you? And I'll never forget you saying, I want to prove my bloody teacher that thought I was a thicko wrong. (laughs) Well, I don't know quite how you put it, but it probably wasn't that polite. (laughs) (laughs) I think that actually one of the burning things that can help people start businesses is thinking about all the people that they want to prove wrong. Do you know what I mean? Everyone has someone that they want to prove wrong, don't they? Everyone. And so I actually think that when you have those low moments, thinking about a few people that you'd like to sock it to um, is actually a really great motivator. (laughs) Now, it's certainly, it didn't last very long, those feelings, but it does get you off the starting block, you know, thinking, I'll show everybody. Um, So, yes, it was... uh, yeah, I, I remember, uh, it just rang so true with me because I remember one of the nuns at the convent I was at called my mother in and said, um, we don't think Anushka should do A-levels. And in fact, if she does do an A-level, I'll ju- and she gets her A-levels, I'll jump out of the third floor window. And I thought, right, game on! <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, I hope. Um, it, oh, gosh, I don't know how that story ends. Tell you what, the, how it ends is that the weird thing is about five years ago, I got a call saying, Would you become a governor of the school? And I got it, I thought somebody having a laugh. Uh, and I just wish my mother was around because I was just like, There you are. You there, see? You go. <laughs> there you there go. There you go. Gosh, that's funny. Anyway, um, Holly, it's been such a pleasure talking to you about your life in Seven Charms. Um, now, as you know, I'm going to make you one of these charms. Um, and I'd really like to know which one you'd like me to make for you. My goodness. Um, that is tough because I bet all your guests say the same. Like, uh, I'd like all of them, please. But <laughs> if you're going to make me choose one, I think it would have to be where I found my passion in life, where I found the rest of my life um, and the calling I have. And that is not in the high street, not in the high street, basically gave me the opportunity to really find out what my diamond was. And so it would have to be the tag because I would wear it with such pride. And that is something, you know, that Sophie and I created. That is the most unique business journey um and um and I'm so proud of the small businesses who made it successful I'm so proud of us never giving up and that charm um I will be an heirloom for my family and I will give it to my son um and uh yeah it will be a very special thing so that is the charm that I would choose Uh, well I'm very excited about that because I I think it'll be absolutely divine and I'm really glad you didn't make me do the vegetable (laughs) (laughs) or a moving thank you so so much to Holly for sharing her inspirational journey this episode is the last in our series so thank you to everyone for tuning in throughout And if you haven't had the chance, do check out the other episodes. They're all available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on all your favourite platforms. 
And if you like what you hear, please do leave a review and share it with your friends. It really helps to spread the word. Thanks to Robin at Fairly Media for his audio production and to you for listening. See you soon for Series 2.